You're listening to the Honest Truth Podcast, your source for everything you need to know about the commercial real estate and construction industry. <clears throat> Once we start, it, it really is more natural. Okay. So the weird part is we're going to look at each other, and that feels weird the whole time because we're like with an apparatus. And then the cameras are here, which is why Matt always comments to me because I'm always like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't use social media, so I this is my are. TikTok. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my social media for like my life. That's outstanding. <clears throat> All right, so welcome to episode twenty-three of the Honest Truth Podcast. We are here today with Sheila Schmidt, who is the founder, change agent, leadership, and development coach of the Kaizen Agency. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm so jealous initially of the title that we were talking about, right? So I want to hear about, tell me about all the different things that go into, you know, what Sheila is, who Sheila is, and how you name yourself. Oh, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we have time for all of that today, Nick. Um, In terms of Kaizen Agency? Yeah, Yeah, I want to hear about it. Um, Well, it it started, I I officially founded in 2019 um, as kind of a side gig, really, because I had um, relationships in the industry. You know, I've I've been in the AEC industry for a long time, 20 plus years, and um, I I had founders and CEOs of companies reaching out and wanting to know how I had been effective in years past when I was in business development roles of really creating a seller doer environment in the firms that I that I had the yeah. pleasure to work with. Um, so I went in on a contract basis and really um, set the way to to put that forward in their company as well. Yeah, and fortunately had some success with that. Awesome. Um, so twenty years in the AAC industry. Let, I mean, can we hear about it? Like, what, what, what are the, what are these twenty years in the AEC industry? Um, well, I started with a contractor in Detroit mm-hmm. area and um, doing automotive work, really uh, technical automotive work. Worked for them for a little over six years, and in the timing, the work had gone away. It was after nine eleven, and. Um, opened an office for them in Biloxi doing FEMA work, came out here to Arizona in 2008, just before the bottom fell out. And um, the intention was to open an office here. Uh, That didn't happen because of what happened in the economy. And I had been here for about five months and fell in love with Arizona, didn't want to leave. So I left the employer that I had been with for a considerable amount of time and um, stalked another contractor here to hire me and was able to convince them to bring me on. And I was with them in a business development role um, and teaching um, professional sales training and kind of collaborating. Um, I was with them for about six years, a little over, and um, bringing multiple offices together really to have a strategy from business yeah. development perspective, a bigger picture. From there, um, I did business development for a structural firm here for a year. Six months into that, I was being recruited by a healthcare developer, by Mm. Ryan Companies, um, to help them start their healthcare development here in the Valley. Um, I was with Ryan for three years, fabulous company. 
Um, then I got recruited to Meridian, and um, I still actually hold a consulting contract with Meridian, and I've, I've been with them for over five years now. Um, another really great firm. They, yeah. they do healthcare specifically, and with them, um, I, I did more of cradle to grave and then moved into more of a business development role again because it's my natural right. happy place to be. Um, <laughs> and during that time, I was also taking on contracts um, through Kaizen. Uh, and, you know, I'm always telling my clients about how passion wins. You know, follow your passion, it wins. And truly, that's what I'm doing with putting my heart and soul into Kaizen. Yeah. So. It's so funny. I was literally just going to say, <clears throat> where did your passion pull you? Because in, in our experience over the last handful of months, mm-hmm. passion is kind of, you know, that's Sheila's word, right? Like, so yeah. passion is like how, <laughs> you know, kind of how we get to where we are. Um, what about the industry in particular? Um, and I'll, I'll say the words business development, which I think has has a weird connotation in the industry. And I, I don't know that it's properly defined anywhere. Um, what about that has kind of pulled you to determine that there's there's a whole market out there for coaching, training, teaching, um, emboldening in in passion, so to speak. That's that's kind of led you to this this adventure. Yeah, thank you, Nick. That's a good question. Um, really, I think it's you know the 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 companies that have come to me for this. I haven't necessarily pursued them, um, but what I end up finding out is when I get in and I look at the processes, and this goes back to when I was solely business development, I look at the processes in the company and not all the arrows are pointed in the same direction. So, you know, as a business developer, it's it's frustrating when you're out like hustling and building these relationships and, and getting deals in the door or trying to, but you're getting roadblocks yeah. from your own company. Um, so making sure that everything is aligned, and you've heard me say it a million times, like all the arrows have to be pointed in the same direction. You know, do do the, the process of how a lead comes in the door and it's handed through the company. Does that align with the vision statement, with the compensation plan, with the, you know, performance evaluations? You have to look at it holistically mm-hmm. and make sure that everybody is on the same board. And then... If you have, you know, one person doing business development, it can be effective if you have the right person, but you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket. And if they leave and go to a competitor, that's a pretty vulnerable position to be in. So creating a seller-doer culture really creates buy-in. And you'll, I think you've seen some of this, I hope you've seen some of this internally that, it creates more of a cohesive culture because everybody's in it together yeah. and everybody has ownership of it. And even more so than that, I think it stems from people understanding the process more and everybody playing a role and taking pride in that. So. Well, I think, you know, general contractor, right? So mm-hmm. we preach teamwork at every level except business development, right? right. So, 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 <laughs> Historically, mm-hmm. um, you know, we preach teamwork within our superintendent core. We preach teamwork within our our project management core. We preach teamwork within our pre-construction core. Right. Um, and we don't preach it within business development. How, how does that 
makes sense, right? So it, it doesn't make sense that all of the, the, the ranks are preaching, you know, teamwork, and then we're not doing it at the top. That doesn't make a ton of sense. And so um, and so that's been one of the eye-opening things for me, specifically over the last handful of, of months and also years, like really learning about how true business development is, is formed. And, and even the word development, um, you know, it, it's not a, a, a single point. It's not right. a an initial touch point, a, a single rifle shot, so to speak, right? It's it's a true um, coercion of, of true development, a smattering of things that happens that's really, you know, tenured and experienced and thought out and 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 thoughtful. And and I think that's kind of been a big big change for us over the last, you know, handful of years is really learning that true business development is like farming, right? It's really it's sowing a bunch of seeds right. and then and then seeing what develops. And so I, I think that's been kind of a big realization that we felt, um, you know, specifically over the last, you know, handful of months with your involvement within our team, obviously. Uh, but then also like just an understanding of the industry and how it works and, and um, you know, single points of failure and, and, you know, all the different buzzwords you could insert here right. uh, and kind of how it trans, you know, transpires, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so talk to me about how, what you're seeing in the industry. Why is the AEC industry kind of specifically ripe for this kind of training? I think it actually transcends the AEC industry. Um, when you really look at it, it's, it's really professional service industry. Mm-hmm. So it could be you know, law firms, accounting firms, um, of course, architectural construction, engineering firms. Um, but any professional service, healthcare, we both know the healthcare industry really, really well. Um, when you have doers, you know, whether they're providers or they're architects or they're contractors, and they take pride in what they do, and mm-hmm. that is what they define their role as being. When somebody comes to them and says, you know, you, you need to like bring in work, or if they're if they're paying attention, the people in the firms that do bring in the work may not be the strongest doer in that firm, but they bring in work. They're the ones that get promoted. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are running the office, and they're the ones that are continually climbing that ladder. So when you look at that and somebody is saying, well, you need to bring in work, how? Right. Nobody's teaching them. So you can't expect, you know, an engineer or, you know, any other professional service that has done extensive training and could be the best engineer or the best project manager or superintendent to naturally know how to sell. There are people like you that are very charismatic and it comes naturally to you, but it doesn't to most. Right. Well, and and I I mean, some of the stuff that we've gone through over the last handful of months is, has been really, really, um, inspiring to me, which is something as simple as you're at a barbecue mm-hmm. and, and you're talking to, you know, a friend, a mutual friend, a neighbor whatever. Uh, what do you do? Well, I'm in construction. Uh, and it's like, you know, I, I mean, opportunities, right? Yeah. I mean, how many opportunities come from, from just handshake conversations in the weirdest of places? And, and I think it's, it's more about, um, an understanding of opportunity mm-hmm. a, and a recognition of opportunity as opposed to, you know, some sort of, 
you know, definitive training in this situation, you do this in that situation, you oh, do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so rigid and so, so, you know, just unintentional, but the, the ability to be coherent when the right opportunity is arising has been kind of the real thing that I believe that Ben has benefited from your training over the last handful of months is, is just the ability for the team to be aware mm-hmm. and and maybe awareness is the right word I don't know I'm like, yeah. like kind of like spitting out right now as I'm thinking about it but may, maybe awareness is the right word of, of just be aware of the situation that you're in and and take you know survey and advantage of your surroundings and utilize that opportunity to the best of its you know of, of its of its kind at that particular moment and I think it's so funny because when we first brought you on to help with the team there was some apprehension, right? There, there was some, there, you know, there was some, some scared kids in the class that were, yeah, 100% (laughs) like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to like talk to everybody? Am I going to have to, you know, am I going to say these things or do these things? Um, And true business development is actually the opposite of that. I mean, I, I think true business development is not the, the, the head of the spear, the lead singer of the band. I, I mean, true business development is, is awareness and understanding and cultivation of, you know, where is this particular lead coming from? Uh, What does this client need? You know, where is an opportunity for us to succeed? Um, And I'll tell you what, the, the, the biggest waste of time with a, with a company, in my opinion, is pursuing leads that aren't available. Right. Right. So let's be honest about what we're trying to do here. We're trying to win. And, and so, you know, being able to pursue a lead in an opportunity in an arena that you can be successful in um, is traditionally the arena you're already successful in, right? right? And right. I mean, what they, what's the what's the buzzword? Um, the cheapest client is the one you already have, or something like that, right? Um, I, you know, I, I I think the the right answer is to to be aware of your surroundings and 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 understanding of what's going on. So, within that, how have you walked into? I'll say rigid firms because I think we we're a little bit of a rigid firm when you walked in. How, how have you walked into rigid firms like Venn mm-hmm. um, that have their, quote, way of doing things and helped transform the environment? Um, I have walked into rigid firms, and I would say there was resistance when I walked in. Yeah. I could sense that, but I would not consider this a rigid environment. Um, I could tell you stories <laughs> that they were very rigid environments. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is really having, having that, that mutual respect, um, sharing a little bit about where I've come from, what I've done, um, you know, being successful and, and that's not on me. It's like the whole team that I was surrounded with in times like through the Great Recession and, you know, after 9-11, I'm aging myself here. But, I mean, those were really, really tough times in our industry. And when you are able to come through with that and, and you share those stories, it gives a little bit of validity, if you will. But even more so than that, once we start the dialogue, you saw it with your team, at least I hope you did, when when we came in and we were brainstorming about what is a lead, you know, what does a lead look like to, to resonate with when you mentioned awareness, it's so many people assume 
you know, like you and I, we're accustomed to bringing in work and identifying right. it. It's just somebody doesn't have to tell me. I just know. Um, but we make those assumptions on others that they can identify a lead and they know what it means when, you know, you see a big vacant suite in a building and things. So pointing out things that maybe they won't just walk past next time can lead to opportunities. Yeah. Well, and I think the team just recognizing like there, there's maybe not an opportunity here today, but there's a clear future opportunity, right? right. Like, so you're, you're in a, a brand new office building. We're doing the first spec suite. Well, let's be obvious here. I mean, there's opportunity in the building, right? So, right. so what are we doing to, to source leads within the property managers, within the brokers, within the, within the owner of the building? Yeah. All the things. So then kind of the number one thing that we've chatted about here is emotional intelligence. Um, yes. I own a general contracting firm. Emotional intelligence is like maybe the scariest two words put together, uh, <laughs> in, you know, in my entire life. So talk to me about that and how you use that um, as a advantage uh, or as a, um, as a, as a focal point for your business. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, I, I, I lead softly with it because there generally is a little bit of like, I don't need that. It's the same with There's a lot of that, by the way. There's a lot of, yeah. I don't, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of, I don't need that from yeah. guys like me in the world. So yeah, go ahead. It, it falls in the <laughs> same line with leadership and performance coaching as yeah. well. You know, I don't need that. I don't need that. Um, but really looking at emotional intelligence is, you know, I think a lot of people for so many years, all the studies would point toward IQ. You know, if somebody's really smart, they're going to be good at whatever you put them, mm-hmm. you know, whatever direction you point them in. Um, but more and more research has come to light, and especially in the last three to four years, on emotional intelligence and what a profound impact it has on performance and success of teams. And basically, in the simplest of forms, it boils down to not having our emotions control us, but to be able to identify and react and use our emotions in a healthy way to increase mm-hmm. performance and output, really. Um, and in doing so, you strengthen relationships unbelievably. I, I know when I came in, um, I mentioned to your team more than a few times, like once we get through this, your lens is going to be different. You're not going to see things the same way. Um, have you had any of those experiences? Uh, too many to count. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think for me, um, I don't know that you ever said this directly, but how I received it, I guess, is what is what I'll say. I, I felt like you were very excited to come and work with Ven. I was. I am. Um, but... <laughs> You also really wanted to make personal coaching a part of the repertoire, or mm-hmm. it was kind of like, if we're not going to do the personal coaching, I'm not excited. And I, and I realize I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but like in my mind, it was like, we're going to do the personal coaching and the, the, the company seller doer coaching, um, and it has to work together. Right. So total transparency, my initial reaction was like, well, I don't want to do the personal coaching. Oh, I could tell. Um, I could tell. You're like, I do not need executive coaching. I don't need, right. perform- without saying it, I could t- I could tell. I do yeah. not need performance coaching. <laughs> I don't need leadership coaching. Fun fact, uh, totally do. Um, but uh, 
But, you know, I mean, there, there's apprehension there, right? Because it's yeah. like, all right, so we're going through, we were going through a little bit of a transition. We wanted to, we wanted to, like, transform our business development model. Right. Um, you know, um, a ton of high recommendations in, in our, our relationship. So we bring in, you know, Sheila and Kaizen. And it's like, hey, let's, let's get this figured out. Um, and then you were like, great, so we're going to schedule your personal coaching sessions. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't think we're going to do that. Um. <laughs> For the record, you didn't say you weren't going to do that. You just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I stalked what you What do they little call bit, it? Quiet, quiet quitting? Yes. Um, I, I quiet ignored you. <laughs> um, but I, so I've noticed that the two things have to go hand in hand and and I really have, you know, appreciated and noticed that over the last handful of months. Um, I think for me, the, the number one change has been understanding the generational gaps and how to bridge relationships with employees in different generations. So, mm-hmm. you know, construction may be, you know, kind of one of the last of the industries that still has this huge broad gap. Of, of real, true difference in generations. Yeah, Maybe four definitely. generations in my workforce. I don't, I don't know how you determine generation, but, you know, there, there may be four or five generations, you know, in, in Venn's, you know, group of folks, and there's only 30 of us. So, you know, how do you handle the delta of five generations with the same message, mm-hmm. um, the same understanding and, and you're dealing with multiple generations, right? And so for me, that coaching and that sensitivity, I tend to not be so sensitive uh, with most things and then overly sensitive with others. And so, you know, it, to understand that whole process, I think was probably the most beneficial thing for me because most of the, the um, I'll say the next generation event, obviously, is on the, you know, is, on, is, a, is in the newer generations, right. obviously, as your company grows, that's what's going to happen. Um and then I'm becoming part of the older generation, which is something that I don't love, uh, but but is also happening, you know. And, um, and for a guy that was always the youngest guy in the room, um, you know, I'm becoming the oldest guy in the room now. And you're and, a long way from that. Well, you know, we'll get there. Uh, but it's just interesting, and, and to I was having some challenges. I was having some relational issues, you know, within our group, um, not intentionally, not you know. Uh, anything overly negative, but but because of generational gaps. And, and I think for yeah. me to understand and to maybe be a little more empathetic towards the um, the generational gaps was important to me. So that was probably the number one thing that I have picked up from it and utilized in my management style moving forward that's been actually really, really beneficial. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah. So is that... I'll ask, is that common? I almost said, is that normal? That's a weird thing to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> so is that is that common? And how do you, you know, what kind of things do you bump into when you walk into different places, different industries, different mm-hmm. companies that you have to whittle out? I think that was an insightful question. Thank you. <laughs> I think um, for the most part, that could capture it. But it's really you know, when you grow your emotional intelligence, when you grow your your EI um, aptitude, you, you tend to be able to reframe things, and that's where the empathy comes in. You can look at things from somebody else's perspective and not only see it from from your experiences. Mm-hmm. And whenever you can do that, 
you're going to relate and connect with people on a deeper level and in a more meaningful level. So when people feel understood, they approach you differently. And so it kind of transcends relationships. And if, you know, if, if that's an area that you saw the growth, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I see the growth even um, in just different personality types. And I know people go through, you know, and do personality like disc assessments and things. Um, and those are great. But I still think that growing your self-awareness and your social awareness and your empathy uh, and self-management, those things that are like the backbones of EQ um, really would transcend all personality types. Um, It sounds a little kooky, a little fuzzy, but if everyone grew their EQ, it would be a much nicer place in this world. So so my experience... um, you came in and, and, and you kind of got the lay of the land, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, kind of understanding each of our personalities and the situation that we're in. Um, I'm going to use the word forced. I don't mean a negative. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you immediately forced a, a, the compilation of a true vision statement mm-hmm. um, and didn't necessarily, um, you know, the understanding was we need a compiled, concise, really, really targeted vision statement. Yeah. So my initial response when you said that was, we already have one. Um, and I, I couldn't find it. I think your initial response find was it. to ignore me. Oh, come on. That's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, you know, I, I felt like we had an understanding of our vision statement, right? And I felt like we had an understanding of the process. I felt like we had, mm-hmm. um, I think the answer was, well, everybody knows what our vision statement is or something along those lines, right? Something really negative. Um, but you push the issue, and, and you push it in the in the right direction, and I'll say forced us to come up with, you know, a, a true vision statement. So help me understand, uh, before I give my answer, help me understand mm-hmm. the value uh, behind a true vision statement and what that represents for specifically a growing company. Yeah, thank you. I think... Um, not only the vision statement itself, but how it's conducted is is really really important. And you know, you're you're obviously running the company, so you know exactly what that vision is and what that means for you. But when you look at your employees and your whole team, they don't necessarily know what thoughts you have in your mind. And it's really important to give people. Um, <laughs> the dream, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds kooky, but giving them the dream. They need to know that they have a future here and where they're headed to know if they're aligned in the right direction. Again, the arrows all pointing in the right direction. But if you don't have it spelled out and you don't put it on paper, um, you're not holding yourself accountable yeah. either. And and there's some there's something to that of, of inking it, which I know there was a little resistance to initially. Um, but once you did, I felt like there was there was complete buy-in with the leadership yeah. team, and then as it was rolled out. Yeah, I, I honestly I was amazed. I I truly did not believe it mattered as much as it did, right? And 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 so when we when we put that down on paper and then we compiled it and delivered it to the staff, mm-hmm. um, we had a really powerful meeting. I felt like and 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 it was a really really good time for the team to come together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of times in a small company. 
and I'm totally guilty of this. I just kind of feel like everybody knows, like you said, right? Like I just feel like everybody <laughs> like I'm not quiet. I, I don't keep things inside. I, I, I don't I don't feel like there's secrets. Um but when there's not a stated full message, mm-hmm. inherently there are secrets, right? Or, you know, whatever that version of a secret is, right? right. Inherently there's something that's maybe held back. Um, what is the vision? Um, and there can still be trust and there can still be health and there can still be all these things that are positive. Right. But until that vision is fully stated and documented. Um, and the other thing, just, you know, my brain not fully comprehending, um, it's an internal thing. And, and, and I had in my mind the vision statement as an external thing. Right. And why would I tell the whole world what our plans are for the future, right? <laughs> why, why would I show the defense what I'm going to yeah. run on offense? Um, and, and, and there was some of that that, that I was using um, internally as well, mm-hmm. um, incorrectly, obviously. But, but still, I, I was holding back a little bit from kind of like releasing that, Um Again, why the personal coaching yeah. goes with the, you know, with the... With I'm, I'm going to jump else. in a little bit there, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, two things. The vision statement can be internal and external. Um, in this case, I felt like it was more appropriate for this to be an internal vision yeah. statement. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you say that you knew where the company was going and what your vision statement was. And I would challenge that a little bit because when I first walked in the door and I sat down with you and each of your individual like teams, you know, your your leadership team individually and did basically a a deep dive interview, um, you had a different vision in mind for the company. And that kind of evolved through our strategy sessions and our poll planning sessions. 100%. Initially, it did for sure. Yeah. Um, And I don't know that I was fully transparent with all of the, you know, with the whole team during the process either, which I think uh, was another, like, you know, kind of evolution through the process. Yeah. No, I agree. Yes. I think that is a lot more common than what people want to acknowledge until they themselves go through it. because. Um, I've only had one firm that I've worked with that had all of those arrows pointed in the same direction. So um, you're not alone in yeah. in that regard. But looking back on it, you know, you said, "Well, I thought everyone knew," but but you didn't know True. at that point. Well, and you know, it's always like, ask me what my five year plan is every you know every year, right? <laughs> uh, it, it was kind of one of those things where it's like our our business has been so accustomed to transition, right? Um, and, and in growth mode and, and, you know, whatever mode you want to call the last handful of years that, that it's been, you know, we've been adjusting our five-year plan every year. Um, and so I think for the first time now, you know, through the, uh, genesis of the business, Mm -hmm. you know, through the, you know, obviously the, the, the passing of Bo and the, the kind of resetting and re re foundationalizing, that's even a word, um, of the business. Like we finally have an opportunity to point the arrow. Um, but I was, you know, there's a lot of excuses in there before. And so I think, I think now like this excuse removal process has been really beneficial. We've been able to point all the arrows in the right direction. Um, yeah, your, your firm is, and I'm not saying this because I'm sitting across from you right now. I, I told a a different construction company the same thing last night. Um, You know, I've seen behind the curtain now, and um, the firm is amazing. And and you and the rest of the leadership team have done a really incredible job with 
building a culture that is really unique and how much your people care, uh, not only about the clients, but about each other. It's just a really, really wonderful place to be. So I appreciate you welcoming me in and um, and letting me work with your team. It's been fantastic. I, I, I will tell you, I appreciate that. I, I, I will tell you the, um, the growth and the excitement that I've seen kind of reinvigorated in the business after um, this seller-doer training uh, has been really, really exciting. And so, I mean, the amount of phone calls I'm getting from um, superintendents, uh, project engineers that are, you know, walking the job site and, hey, I heard about this, and, and you know, this architect is going to do this project next and whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so fun. And and the um, the exhilaration and, and, and um, you know, kind of building towards tenacity with these folks right. to really look out for the, the next benefit of the company mm-hmm. um, is unique. And, and um, you know, I completely uh, believe that's because of the training that you're doing and, and, and all of the expertise that you're providing. But the excitement is something I didn't anticipate. And so that's been really fun. Um, it has been fun. Yeah. Even from the first meeting when there was a little – more than a little bit of apprehension to, you know, the consecutive meetings thereafter. Um, your team has been leaning in. Yeah. Definitely they're leaning in. And I'm they're seeing excited, that. And I you think know? it's great. And so after we produced the the vision statement, we produced an org chart of the, of the company's growth um, over the next handful of years. And one of the fun things, obviously, the company's projected to grow. And so uh, we, we projected mm-hmm. um, open spots. Yeah. And, you know, here's internal growth. Um, here's potential outside higher growth. Um, you know, but here's here's open spots for you to progress. Earn it. Yeah, <laughs> earn it. And and the excitement level, I did not anticipate. Um, you know, I always felt like with a, with a small to mid-sized company that people just kind of understand that growth is there. Um, and then I've learned that I'm not allowed to say people just kind of understand. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, putting that on paper and, yeah. and putting that on, I mean, even a, a board that's sitting in our break room today, um, here is the projected growth plan for the company. Um, I, I joke with a lot of people, but I say that then is kind of a choose your own adventure and, you know, you get to come here, um, and choose your own adventure mm-hmm. and, and how that happens is really up to you. Um, God forbid it's up to me all the time. That would, that sounds excruciating, but like, you know, it, it's a choose your own adventure for the most part. And, and now we've kind of laid, you know, the adventure out on paper. Um, yeah, you have a really unique entrepreneurial spirit in, yeah. in the company. And, and I think from, you know, the, the snippet of it that I've seen with your team, um, this is giving them an avenue to really pursue that. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. That's I think really so too. I, I'm I'm really really excited about it. I'm appreciative of the of mm-hmm. the, uh, the effort and the insight that you've provided for us. So, um, so as we move forward, what's your advice to uh, companies that are maybe stuck uh, or 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 kind of in this you know business development quagmire of how do I how do I move my business forward? How do I how do I create a culture that sounds like a super daunting task? Um, you know, I, I think we hear about all these companies and all these cultures yeah. that they just magically exist. I know. Um, you know, they don't magically exist, they don't. you know, they don't. so, so what's your advice as we kind of get ready to round up here? Like what's your, what's your advice for companies that are looking to, uh, create a culture, enhance a culture, mm-hmm. you know, how can you help? How, you know, what, what do you think? 
Um, thank you. It, it's the one thing that I would I would advise, and I see people like companies do it over and over and over, is they'll bring someone in to just do like professional sales training. Yeah. And think that's going to solve the problem. Um, if you're really creating a seller doer culture for a professional service company, you've learned this, you've experienced it. It's a full-on change initiative. This is is not, you know, something that you just give some training and then right. go away. It's looking at the processes of the company, looking at the leadership, looking at themselves, being willing to grow and get a little uncomfortable, which your team has been fantastic with that. They have. I mean, they've leaned in and they, they I mean, they write to me about advancements that they're making with EQ growth and um, and I can tell in their coaching, like where they've come from where right. they've started. So just uh, try to use, what is it? Not a shotgun approach. It's a rifled approach. Yeah, yeah. Rifled, yeah, yeah. Try, try not to use a rifled approach, but use some, what's the bird stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, more of a shotgun birdshot approach, there right? You go. Yeah. Birdshot. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so look at it holistically rather than just trying to provide yeah. sales training and think that's going to solve the issue. I mean, when I first called, I I thought we were under a rifled uh, approach process. I know yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So it, it took that, it took that coaching. I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's what this is about. I, I you know, no, no, mm-hmm. you know, no scary here. But like, you know, I, I thought that we were looking to solve a singular problem. Um challenge, issue, whatever word I'm supposed to use. Uh, but, you know, but the thought process really was there needs to be holistic understanding and holistic change of what are you really trying to do and how are you really trying to solve the, the, the problem that you're faced with? And if everybody doesn't play the game, you're not going to win. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's really the mindset, right, is like making sure that companies are fully bought in um, I think for guys like me, the understanding of there's a lot more to it than just saying like, teach my team to sell. Uh, <laughs> so, so what would you say to the guy, it's not me, uh, that says teach my team to sell? Um, Go pound sand? No, <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a, I would want to meet with them and meet some of their people. Um, if it's me, there are other change agents out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I would want to meet them, meet with some of their leadership team, and make that assessment before I could, you know, know what would be most beneficial. Um, but again, I would stress it's it's not just if you're just going to bring in somebody and do sales training or even do just sales training internally, um, that time would be better. St- somewhere else yeah. because they're going to sit through it they're going to say oh i can do this and then nothing will be done the little books will be set to the side and it'll go right back to how it was before yeah but um I, to truly implement it you have to look at processes systems people all of it you have to do full-on training and yeah. where i've seen the most benefit like i said with you the the leadership and performance coaching is really key to to weave into that um, yeah. to have the long going. I, I mean, I, I'll just be arrogant and say I, I, I feel like we had a good culture, have a good culture. You do. Um, and and so to to bring in that kind of training with a group that already has a good culture, we still experienced wholesale change um, and are in the process of experiencing wholesale change. And so I, I think that that is something that 
I'm wary of um, and, and thought, you know, like really thoughtful about because having good culture is not just like a snap your fingers kind of thing. No. Like it truly requires diligence and effort. It does. Um, and so to say that, well, we have a good culture, so let's just keep moving on. Um, and then the company's going to grow. Mm-hmm. And just like anything else, like you start adding more people, then then you there's delusion of that culture. So you have to yeah. be intentional about keeping and 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 retraining and yeah. and understanding that culture. And so I think that's been probably my you know that in addition to the management of the of the generational gaps, um, have been a couple of things that I've been really focused on and and really found uh, beneficial through the EQ training. And and I think that, you know. I don't know if there's a business that doesn't need it. I, I, you know, I've been around a lot of companies, a lot of businesses. I don't believe there's a business that doesn't require it in some way, shape, or form, even the ones that are doing well. Um, it's like going to the gym, right? Like, like you got you to gotta keep at it. You got to keep yeah. working, and you got to stay, you know, kind of stay where you need to be. So I appreciate it. We've been truly, truly grateful for, I think, the growth and the experience that our company's received. Um, and I, you know, I would really encourage other, other folks to get on board for sure. Well, thank yeah. you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I would, again, seeing behind the curtain with Ben, uh, highly recommend your team for any <laughs> construction project. <laughs> the, the, the passion and how much your team cares, I mean, huge kudos because that doesn't just happen. I mean, that, that's leadership driven. So congratulations on that. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Sheila. Thank this has you. been episode 23 of the Honest Truth Podcast.